Hello and welcome to The Culture. My name's Anna. You're not going to say my name? That's Mark. Yeah. <laughs> and um, today we are covering part two of The People's Temple. So usually... Legends of the Hidden Temple. Did you ever watch that show? <laughs> no. On Nickelodeon? Oh, yes, I did. Oh, I did. They're making a new one, I an adult it, version. I think about it every time you say it. <laughs> so... Um, usually we just kind of put our source material in the episode notes, but today I specifically kind of want to mention the sources that I used. So I used PBS, American Experience, for a bunch of this. Also, though, my main source that I really used today was from this awesome website called Jonestown through San Diego State University. Like, this website has literally everything you could ever know about this. It's the hub. It's the ish and why is that? I think it was like someone's research. Pic- yeah, no, I think it was sense. that. It's really well done. All right. And then also the Jonestown Institute, which um, transcribed all of Jim Jones's tapes. So they recorded like every meeting that they had. I feel like this one's a little bit different in like a lot of the cult stuff that we've talked about before has been kind of, I don't want to say like under the radar, mm-hmm. but a little bit more like people are emotionally attached to it or not emotionally anti. And this is like very scholarly, San Diego State's involved. It's very like transparent. Doesn't it feel that way? Well, I think, yes. And I think that there's a reason for that. Even I wrote a paper on this group in college, a research paper. And it's because this really was the first one that kind of started this whole like field of inquiry because of the outcome that we'll talk about at the end of this. So we'll come back to this conversation at the end. It just feels different. Yeah. There's a ton of source material though, too. I think that's part of it. They recorded everything. There's tons of written records. They tape recorded a lot of stuff. Like there's tons of pictures and things. So, And I guess you're getting more present. So the more closer that you get to today, the more technology exists, the more. Right. And this is this was just such a shock to literally the whole country that this blew up. So I don't know the ending, right? <laughs> so I'm I'm very interested, yeah, to hear how this plays out. You you left me at intermission. <laughs> okay, yes. Also, one more thing I want to point out: I did interview actually a family member of someone in the group who happens to be my spiritual father, Father Jim Pappas. Shout out to (laughs) Jimmy. So I was talking to Father Jim about Father Jim. See what I did? I did. I saw that. Okay. So let's recap, though. So we are in 1977, and we just arrived to Guyana. Also, go back and listen to episode one if you have not done so yet. Yeah, do that, you guys. And then listen to this one, okay? (laughs) Okay. So we're back in 1977. The people arrive in Guyana. Who who people? A thousand people. With him? With Jones. Yeah. So there was about 50 people that had been there. They had gone in about 1974, and they started kind of clearing the land, slash and burn. They were starting to prep it for this um, commune, basically. I mean, are, are, we, are we having like our own planes? No. We're, we're going like sporadically. We're kind of sprinkling in. No, we're no, down. they're not sprinkling in. It was a massive influx in 1977. Okay, but it wasn't like everybody on the plane at the same time and we're all going to go together. I don't think so. But in 1977, they all kind of came in right around the same time. 
and then um, like Jones and the 900 other people. And then that's when stuff starts really so over that ramping year, up. Like that's the year. Yeah. Okay. So that's in 1977. Now, let me just back up really quick. So Father Jim, my priest, his uncle, Danny, and his aunt, his wife, Edie, Kutulas, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they joined the People's Temple up in Ukiah. So they were in it. They were in it in the 60s. Jim said, no, I'm not going. Father Jim. Oh, no. Father, my Father Jim said, Father Jim's out. no, he was also a teenager, though, at this time. Okay. Yeah. Because Father Jim, my Father Jim was born in 1956. This is in 1966. So he's only 10. We got to make sure we differentiate the Jones. The, okay. The, we'll call him Father the, Pappas. How about that? Pappas. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Father Pappas, he's 10 years old. He and the rest of their family live in San Francisco. Everybody lives in San Francisco in the Pappas family, except Danny. Before or after? Danny leaves? Danny leaves. Okay. So Danny moves with his wife to Ukiah. They're like kind of separated and they're a little isolated. And so they want to start attending a church. They hear about this wonderful church called the People's Temple and they start going. And Danny and Edie get into it like quick. They're really into it. And Danny kind of takes on a leadership role pretty quickly. And, um, Father Pappas, in my interview with him yesterday, he was telling me how pretty quickly on the church would call upon him at all hours of the night. The people's temple. Yes. Would call upon Danny. Oh. Where is he? Where is Pappas getting this information from? Like he was from his uncle and from his mother and. So they, they, even though they weren't living in the same area, they were still talking. They were still talking. It wasn't like he was excommunicated out there. No, no, no. Okay. So he, and he's sharing this information. He's excited. He's in the leadership role. Yes. They found a place. Except that he's getting called to church in the middle of the night to do stuff. So he's being sleep deprived. They're being kind of deprived from food too, because they're doing these long hours of work without all this. Okay. So this is where Danny and Edie kind of get into this at first up in Ukiah. Okay. I'm following. Okay. So in 1974, remember, the news starts kind of peeping in on the people's temple and are like, these people are sketch. Like, this is not as, you know, uh, happy go lucky, evangelical awesomeness as we think it is. So, like, the San Francisco Chronicle, um, these newspapers start posting negative news about the people's temple oh that's right and that's what's going to get him to bounce right now at the same time danny who's now been in this for like eight years okay he's in the people's temple he goes one day for a dinner to his mom's house in san francisco and his family confronts him and is like yo danny what the hell are you doing in this weirdo group we're hearing all this weird stuff about it you need to get out of there they have this huge fight. And my father, Pappas, he said that he was at like 18 and he was in the other room with his cousin and they just heard all this yelling among the adults. And they were like, oh, they're so stupid. Like, this is so dumb. They give their hugs and kisses goodbye and then they don't hear from Danny anymore. So Danny's out. Danny's out. Danny- Intervention did not work. Nope. He gone. Danny cuts them off. Yeah. So 
At this same year, 1974, is when the first 50 residents moved to Guyana. I cannot find in any data when Danny moved. Nobody remember. Oh, they weren't talking to him. They don't so know. Nobody remembers. Yeah. They know for sure he went, though. We know for sure he went. Okay, but we don't have a year. Yes. Probably 1977. I mean, statistically, it's just way more likely that he went then. Right, if that's the majority. Yeah. Unless, leadership-wise, he went a little earlier to set the stage. Right, and from documents I found on that SDSU website, he was in charge of, like, banana cultivation. So he's in, he's referenced? Oh, tons of times, yes. Oh, okay, so Danny's in. Danny's there. Danny and Edie are both there. But, I mean, so much so that he's not just a normal follower. He's getting... Yeah. Specific shout outs in the document. Yeah. And he like gives like reports on the agriculture to the whole group. You got to have a banana guy. <laughs> I have a banana guy. I mean, everyone's got a banana <laughs> guy. Yeah. So in 1977, when they arrive, there are 60 cottages on site in Guyana. There's a large kitchen and food storage areas. There is a laundry room. There's an infirmary. There's two schoolhouses and there's this big open air pavilion where these meetings would take place. So they kind of would all gather together all the time and Jones would give his like kind of sermons. Well, just very like calm. I'm just imagining like the typical commune. Pretty much, but imagine like almost like. But like a jungle version. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And like a big amphitheater almost kind of thing yeah. where they're all talking all the time. Okay, so practices. When the people moved there, Jones was like, don't bring your Bibles. And if people did, oftentimes they would confiscate them. Which is interesting because they started off as a Christian group. Yeah, he was all in on the Bible when they were in the United States, right? Yeah, he used the Bible to justify this apostolic socialism with St. Paul. And then... They kind of move past that, and Jim Jones was saying that the Bible was used to enslave black people, and so he denounces it, and he kind of makes fun of people for, like, having one. Now that they're already over there in Guyana. Yeah. It's easier to flip the script And he's God now, too, and he's dad, and he's all of those things. So, yeah, it's a lot easier to get rid of it now. Right. You've you already, already bought in. You've already put in the legwork. Yeah. So apparently Jim Jones also really liked this idea of moving to the USSR. I think he's the only one that liked the idea of like moving to the USSR. Like he thought Stalin and Lenin were just the best. Well, there you go. Right. It's such a, like, what a character. Like, you can just kind of tell his character from that alone. But he was... So he, he like a pit stop or he wanted to open He was all talk, one. though. Like, he would say, we should move to Cuba or Russia because communism and socialism, these are the real, you know, actually Christian ways of living. And In theory, right? The idea that everybody right. takes care of everybody uh, and right. nothing is your own. And all the that U.S. sucks and that sure. we're just these imperialist capitalist suckers and we're the worst, basically. So this was kind of a thought he played around with. Now, daily life at the, um, the compound. Um, they would have daily meetings um, where Jones, Jim Jones would lecture and the people seemed to 
you know, according to these tapes, which there's all these recordings, you can listen to him, you can hear him. People were laughing. People seemed like they were having, you know, some friendship and camaraderie. The thing is, is though, is that like, there's always power dynamics going on, right? So you don't know if people are like forcing that laughter or that's like genuine laughter. It's like a laugh track. It's like, ha 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 yeah. yeah. You know, we don't know. Right. Um, the the young people would work to basically try to get food. Yeah. Because they were trying to sustain a thousand people in the jungle. It's a lot in that type of environment. It's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. And remember, a third of their group are Old senior people. citizens. Yeah, who are not contributing. Right. So that's really hard. They they were not self-sustaining. Yeah, you didn't take the right age group with you. No. Also, super random, but they had a pet monkey, a chimpanzee named Mr. Muggs. As one does. Living he in seemed Fiona. so cute, and he had his own little cage and like would hang out there. Photos of the monkey available? Photos of the monkey are available. Will be posted on <laughs> Yes. For your enjoyment. Go check out the.cult.ure on Instagram for the pictures. Now, here's some of the not very good stuff that also happened there. Families were broken apart. Now, we know cults love to do this. Why do they love to do this? Because if you isolate someone from people they trust... It's a lot easier to manipulate them than when they have that kind of that one other person that you could be like, hey, what the hell is going on here? And your only tie really should be to the leader. Yeah, if you want compliance and right. obedience, for sure. Um, hard physical labor six days a week. And they would have late night meetings, which we'll talk about here, which they call white nights. Um, Jones controlled sex lives of people, which... Common. Yeah. That's that like the thing. Lots of sleep deprivation. They also would not let people send letters back and forth. So when you were without out. Without being censored. You were out. You were not talking to your people back home. No. Not that Danny probably would have. Okay, so so off, interesting. When I talked to Father Pappas, he was telling me that they had received several letters from him. But his mother said all of them were not in his handwriting. Interesting. They were signed by him, but they were not in his handwriting. They will receive one last letter from him before this whole shindig happens. Um, and that one is in his handwriting. So there's propaganda leaving. I'm sure the letters were full of, this is fantastic. This is exactly what I wanted. Yes. And the information that Jones told his group, which they couldn't receive any other counter information, was that the KKK was marching all across the U.S., that concentration camps were being put up for blacks and socialists, and that there was a nuclear war that was happening like now. Got it. So he's writing his own false reality. For his whole group. For his group. And they have nothing. There's no reason why they wouldn't believe that's true. Right, and they have no access to any information beyond the information they're receiving from him. Right, I don't think Yana's getting the New York Times on a daily basis to <laughs> Right, to check it. Right. And they don't have cell phones. Yes. Right, it's the 70s. Yes. So, you know, the, the internet's not even around. So, when did the internet come around? 90s. Yeah. Also, there are armed guards that are patrolling. Readily available in the 90s. Calm down to all the fact checkers that say it existed <laughs> before then. Okay. So um, 
there are armed guards that are patrolling that also are not letting anybody in or out. Is the monkey armed? Because <laughs> I feel like that's necessary. He's not armed. Okay. Also, Jones would do this thing to his whole group where he would make them do loyalty tests. Trust falls. Um, trust falls to the, like, max. Pit of death. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, he would be like, okay, this has poison in it. Take it. And they would take it. And he, if they did it, he, they passed the test. But then when they – oh, but it wasn't really poison. Yes. Yikes. Yes. High stakes. And he did this often. He did this with the whole group often. He a little twisted. Oh, he V-twisted. Yeah. Now, some people, when reflecting upon their time in Jonestown, said this was the best time of their lives. Other people said it was like living in a prison camp. I feel like that's very common. There are people that are going to be super into this type of lifestyle. Like, it does appeal to some people. It takes a lot of the guesswork what out of it. What people? I want to know. know. I, I, it takes the guesswork out of it. Yeah. People are telling you what to do every day. It's true. Some people just, they just want to be a cog. That's true. In the wheel. And it works really well for them. And if they had nothing back home, this is at least better than that. I mean, Guiana's really pretty. Yeah. Like, you're talking about life in the Caribbean. But they were living in SF. I guess. I mean, that's fine. But they were probably poor. Yeah. So, I mean, it appeals to some. I, I feel like on a lot of cult groups we've looked at so far, there have been members that even afterwards are, like, still defending right. these crazy leaders. And and there will be members like that. Um, so, basically, August 1977, after Jones arrived with the 900 other people or 1,000 people, this is when stuff starts going down, like, real quick. And after the break, we'll talk about what's to come. All right, so we're back. Now, remember, 1977, Jones comes in. Things start to go sideways. Okay. So when the people got there, the people who were all like, yeah, let's go. We're going to live communally. It's going to be dope. Um, they took all of their passports away. So Bibles and passports now gone. Yeah. So now you got no Jesus and you got no way home. And all their money away. And yes. you got no cash. Yeah. You can't leave. You just have the monkey. <laughs> just Mr. Muggs. That's all you got left. You and Muggsy. Yeah. Now, there's not a ton of evidence that they had a lot of weapons, but they did have some. There was 32 guns that they find eventually. I mean, it is the jungle and it is Guiana. Like, Right. It doesn't sound super militaristic. Yeah. It kind of just sounds like defensive. Yeah. Now, let's say a person disobeys Jim Jones's rules. The, the lowest level of discipline that they could get is being put on what they called the learning crew. I don't know why, but that reminds you of the reading rainbow. <laughs> oh, I think of like re-education camps. That's more what it's like. Sure, I would hope. Yeah. So the learning crew was basically this work detail for people who did small things like if they were constantly late or they backtalked or they had any racist or sexist or other types of behavior or they exhibited any kind of capitalistic habits, um, they could be put on the learning crew where they have to do things like cleaning the toilets and clearing fields and draining ditches of water. 
It's like physical labor. Like it's like, yeah. a, like a labor punishment. Yes. Okay. Let's say you don't get taught your lesson off the learning crew or you do something more severe. You could be given a group punishment, which would be given out during a community meeting. So, for example, on tape, they have this woman who was slapped in the face for committing several minor infractions. They also have it recorded that a teenager was beaten for shoving one woman and mouthing off. And another teenager was beaten seriously six times for a sexual assault kind of thing. Who's doing the beating? The the community. Like all at the like just run around the circle and get slapped by everybody. I guess. I mean, it it's it's definitely like kind of it public. It's reminiscent kind of the synonym thing where they would all kind of like gang up on the yeah. person. Yes. And make it very public and very embarrassing. And Father Pappas, when I talked to him, he said that his um uncle did participate in this and that he was both a recipient and a participant of like public humiliation. Like that was used very often too. Another thing that they did was put people in this thing called the box, which was a six foot by four foot underground enclosure that they would put in to deprive you of your senses. It's like, I just think of like the chokey. Yes, it's just like that. I love Matilda. So good. But it's like that. But underground, that sounds even scarier. That's so scary. He would also use terror tactics. So, for example, he would like consistently like threaten to tie people up to stakes and leave them for the tigers. I mean, this kind of discipline does work. (laughs) I feel. Well, yeah. And then. He also made a woman with a snake phobia lay on the ground and have snakes slither all over her. That is horrible. Psychologically, what's happening there? I control you. Isn't there exposure therapy? Oh, that's that's called flooding, (laughs) and it's not recommended. (laughs) (laughs) Because it can re-traumatize the patient. I'm not a snake guy either. I would not be down for that. Ugh, me either. Like Fear Factor? It's definitely, it literally reminds me of, this is where all of these shows and movies are getting their ideas from. <laughs> They're like, let's look at cults. Matilda is absolutely <laughs> based on this and so is Fear Factor. Probably. So, also, they would drug people that were just like misbehaving. They would just like give them sedatives. That's an odd one. I feel like that one's not... Yeah, I don't know. But Father Pappas said when they received that last letter from his uncle, he and his wife looked out of it. Do they have the letter still? They do. And the pictures. That's... I mean, I don't know what ends up happening, but that's cool. Yeah. Well, it's. I think it's meaningful. Absolutely. For sure. Um, and there are pictures of his uncle on that San Diego State website, too. So there's going to be some pretty awesome images for this one. Well, I don't know if I'd say awesome. Okay, not awesome. Quality. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So during this time, Jonesy, Jim Jones, he's using some of the drugs on the reg. A little sedative to himself. Yeah. So he's using this little like kind of nice little schedule where he would use amphetamines so he could just like 
freaking lecture for like six hours straight. And then he would take barbiturates like phenobarbital Mm -hmm. to help him sleep. So it would be like amphetamines, barbiturates, amphetamines. Uppers, downers, uppers, downers, uppers, downers. Literally. Yeah. So in one tape, well, actually a lot of the tapes, um, he is so drugged up. Like you literally cannot understand him. And he's lecturing at this? Yes. And the people are just sitting there? Yeah. Like what is happening? (laughs) I guess. not the guy I got on the plane for. Right. And like he would say like, like because I read some of the transcripts. It'd be like, Ed, 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 we're, Ed, we're, Ed, like. Belligerent. Completely. Like, he's out of it, his mind. Now, he also apparently was suffering from some, quote, quote, unquote, unknown illness, okay, that was causing him to be really ill. That's the drugs. Okay, no, like, like, actual, like, like, um. Super high fevers and stuff. Like he was sick, actually physically ill, besides the drugs. Father Pappas, he said that he had heard, and I haven't been able to corroborate this, but this is interesting. He had heard that he had syphilis that was going untreated. And, you know, untreated syphilis can lead to psychosis. And that makes pretty good sense, right? Yeah. So that could cause some of his, his delusions. That plus drugs equals a bad time. <laughs> a real bad time for everyone except him. Yeah. <laughs> right. So these white knights were these things that Jones would do throughout his time in Guyana. Now, a white knight was basically a meeting that would happen during a crisis, according to Jones. And... Every time they had these white knights, they would be expected to stay up all night. They would be called upon to, you know, practice mass suicide. How do you practice mass suicide? Well, the loyalty test. He would say, okay, this is poison. Got it. Everybody take this. Got it, got it, got it. And so they would practice. And sometimes these white knights would last for days at a time. And they would be preparing themselves to defend their property against the Guyanese, like, authorities. Oh, 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 mm-hmm. Or commit ritualized suicide. It's a total power move. <laughs> I guess, yeah. So, oh, oh, yeah, over the people, for, yeah, sure. for sure. Yes. Um, there were at least a dozen of these white knights. And these are well recorded. Yes. There's transcripts of them. Um. So some people said there were about dozens. Some people said this happened every other week. You probably also start losing track of time a little bit down there. I can that, imagine. That's true. And he would just, he would be going off for like periods of time. And, and these were like delusions of persecution. Like people weren't really actually out to get them. Right. I don't imagine anybody else cared. No. I mean, so some people cared, but like even the people that cared weren't really out to get him. They just wanted their family members back. Yeah. Um, but he would make it into this big thing where they'd be up all night or for several days at a time. So you're sleep depriving people. You're depriving them of food because remember, they can't support all a thousand people at once. So they're eating like bananas and rice and that's it. Um, 
it's not good. So they've had tons of these white nights. Now, the culminating event happens on November 18th, 1978. Now, in 1978, there was this group formed called the Concerned Relatives, who were made up of former members of the People's Temple, people that already left. Oh, that people did actually leave. Yeah, people that hadn't left oh, the United from States. Guyana. Yes. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yes. And they persuaded this congressman from California, whose name was Leo J. Ryan, to go to Guyana on a kind of like a fact-finding mission. Like, go see what the hell's going on down there and get our family members back. That seems so crazy. I mean, I guess a thousand people is a lot, but I mean, not really. Okay, here's what's crazy, though. My father, Pappas, he like knew, he met Leo Ryan. They all lived in the same neighborhood so in San Francisco. he's like a man of the people. Leo Ryan's connected locally. Yes. Well, he was a Democrat. He was pretty progressive. Originally a high school history teacher. Oh, shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of known to be very kind of flamboyant in some of his like political like stunts. So like, for example, there was a lot of claims of like prison issues at the time. And so he anonymous anonymously had himself admitted to a prison to investigate. Doing a 60 days in before 60 days. Yeah. I'm telling you, people <laughs> be stealing ideas. Yes. Um, right after the Watts riots happened, he went and lived with a black family in that community and worked as a substitute teacher. Like, he's the kind of guy that's like, I'm going to go into it head first. It just, this is, what year is this? 74? 77. 77. Or is that, actually, this is 78 now. Okay. I mean, I, it just seems, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of really important things going on. Like, we're just post-Vietnam War. Yeah. And this guy's like, yeah, sure, I'll go to Guyana and check on these crazies that well, are living Well, one of there. his friends was close to someone in it. Got it. So there's a little bit of personal. Yes. That makes yes. a little more sense. So Leo Ryan and a, a small group of people with, like, some journalists and some of the family members go to Guyana. And... This was after they heard that one friend's son had died after leaving the temple. Okay. So he goes with two aides. And while he's there, he's like looking around. He's like, okay, it's not that bad. Like, you know, let's. They, they let him in? Yes. Okay. So listen to this. So they let him in. He looks around. He talks to Jones. He's doing his thing. He's like, okay, let me just take the people that want to go home and we'll, we'll leave you alone. Now, 16 people defect from the group. And they go? And they go with Leo Ryan. And he lets them? Like, he walks? Okay, so they are going back. They're trying to leave. They're going onto the plane. They're, they're in the, what's that called? The airstrip? And they shoot them all dead. Including the congressman? Yes. They murder the congressman. What? Yeah. And they don't really know why. There are files done by the FBI and investigation into this that they still have not released. We got to release as the files. As to what exactly went down. But we know that they're dead. They're dead. Yes, but we but from all the accounts it was a pleasant it was like a a totally fine kind of experience and then they try to leave and then boom boom you're dead. I feel like that's like a movie thing. Yeah, go ahead and go and then as soon as you turn around bam. Right. Yeah. So, so we don't know if Jones acted alone. We don't know. No, he was. had people do it. Okay. Yes. 
Okay, but this was like, Jim Jones was like, okay, they're coming to get us. Like, they're coming to get us now. Well, now they probably should. <laughs> right. You can't do things like that. Murder a congressman? Yeah, yeah. Not a good look. So this is the final white night. But this hits national news, I'm assuming. Well, yes, just wait. Not even that. What's about to happen is what hits the national news. This doesn't before? No, because this happens on the same day. Oh, okay, same day. So yeah. Okay, so the timeline, yes. very tight. So Jones is like, we just killed that guy. They're coming for us. They don't want us to be socialists. They don't want us to save the world. We're the best, and we can't stay here because this world is just um, immoral, basically. So he says we're going to do revolutionary suicide, which according to Jones, it basically meant like kind of like a F you to the government, but also like we're, we're better than you of the, than of this world and we can't be here anymore. Um, also kind of like as a statement, like, this was going to be his, mark. there was a lot of meaning behind it. Yeah. I guess you could say. He wanted to make this the the grand finale. Right. But it wasn't like the Heaven's Gate one where they had this belief like, oh, we're going to heaven now. We're, we're going to the spaceship. No, it wasn't that. It was about a statement. It was about like, we are socialists and we're going to live as socialists. And if we can't live as socialists, we're going to die together as socialists. That was the belief. So what they did is they got everyone together. They poured cyanide in some Kool-Aid, and everybody drank the Kool-Aid. This is it. This is the Kool-Aid. This is where this comes from. Yes. So 918 people die that day. That is insane. Yes. And there are all these, like, like um, overhead shots of just all the bodies laying down in this jungle of Guiana. Jones, too? Yes. Well, Jones didn't take the cyanide. Uh, somebody shot him, and he died. Intentionally? Yeah. Okay. He said, shoot me, and then take your cyanide, mm-hmm. and we all go together. Yeah. Did anybody bail? Some people survived, yes. Like Jones's own son, he just happened to be at a basketball tournament that weekend. In Guyana? Yeah. Him and some other youth. And and the guards, they some of them survived. Nobody did like the drink up to the mouth like but keep your lips closed and like, like the fake shots i mean some of them survived not many though out of almost a thousand people 918 died so that's what what do you do with the clean 82 i have no idea can you still go there oh i have no idea but they did the u.s collected those bodies and took them back home Yikes. That hits national news, international news for sure. For sure. This rocked the whole world. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this was the, like, cult of the century. For sure committed. I mean, because, you know, even Heaven's Gate, that's 32 people. This is 900. Yeah, this is a big jump. Yeah. He got his statement. So here's what's crazy. Remember how I said Danny... He was in it. Yes. So Danny and his wife took the Kool-Aid. They drank it and they passed. Now, like that weekend, his family received the last letter from him, which this one was in 
his handwriting. It was. And this one, he asked for a three-way radio to be sent. So Father Pappas and his family theorized that he was trying to get out. Makes sense. Yeah. In your own handwriting, you're asking for something you probably shouldn't have. Yeah. And he found a way to sneak out the letter. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And I did kind of some of my own research on Danny, and he had defected prior as well for a period of time after he cut off ties with his family. So he at least had had doubts prior. So it would make sense that maybe he was like, okay, this is going hell to a handbasket. Like, it's time to get out. But he and his wife, Edie, did not get out, unfortunately. What a story. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, another Greek woman, um, her name was Maria Katsaris. She was the daughter of a Greek Orthodox priest. She was 25, and she also died in Guyana. It doesn't even make any sense. Like, yeah. trying to put everything together is... This is cult 2.0. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. It's it's the it's the one. So is that this is the one. This is the one in the circle. Like th- these are the Yankees. Like th- this is it. Like this is yeah. This is like if you're talking go- cults. Like this is the uh, what is that called? The pinnacle. Yeah. What the? Uh, there's another word for that. The prototype. Okay. Yeah. So after this, people are going to really use this as the blueprint. Hundred percent. And that's kind of why this one has so much scholarly stuff behind it because people were like, what the hell? You know, and they wanted to really understand this. So many people. Yeah. And so um, I asked Father Pappas about kind of what, what, the, what the impact of this was on his family. And he said that they found out that he was dead from the press um, because the New York Times released this body count and the names yeah so all the names were released mm-hmm. which they identified through fingerprints and id um they said they were completely confused like they were just like well, like how did this happen especially his mom danny's mom right the worst news she was just like completely broken um and uh they actually didn't hold a funeral for him like a, a, a full traditional funeral because they wanted to avoid the press because remember they lived in san francisco yeah and so they and the, i'm sure the news wanted to follow every tale that they could yeah as this happened over the next couple of years exactly so that is the story of the people's temple and jonestown what do you think that's a, that's a, that's a 9.5 Right, I know. It's the only reason it's not a ten is it. it I don't know. I feel like a ten has to be reserved for like diabolical, like <laughs> right? Satanic rituals and different things, right? But that's insane. Yeah, I know. How did I never know the story? Because you're ignorant. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> no. Um, I don't know because you should you shield yourself from this I stuff. I do. That's very true. Um, but I think it's if you want to know about a cult. You, or if you if there's like mandatory learning, this should be the one. I how feel many like. how many docs we got? How many documentaries? Oh, there's a lot. There's Are a lot there? of texts too, like books, books about yeah. it. 
um, I think it's called Salvation and Suicide is a book I read in, in college about it. Um, but I'm telling you that website has literally everything. That SDSU website, everything you could want. That'll and be in the show notes. I think I'm going to continue actually looking into this because since Father Pappas' family got cut off from him, they don't really know what happened between 1975 and 1978. So I think I'm going to continue my research for Fill them. in the gaps. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So that is Jonestown. It's a, it's a bummer, but I think it's a, it's a story that deserves to be told. Now I don't feel like we can say keep, don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Well, don't though. We don't want you well, to. Well, for sure, definitely don't. That's a good rule of thumb, I guess. Let's yeah. not drink the Kool-Aid. No Kool-Aid, especially not ones with cyanide. Fair. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a good one. See ya.